Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can keep more of what you have. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And I want to tell you, if you're snacking on something right now or you're eating, um, well, I might uh, make you a little uh, upset. So this is a story from the Detroit Free Press that people are driving their vehicles so little, many people are driving their vehicles so little, and there are people who are going days or even a week or more weeks without driving right now and their vehicles are being taken over by new tenants this is really awful but auto mechanics around the country are reporting that vehicles are being very heavily damaged at great cost by rats and other rodents invading the spaces in unused vehicles so this is a quote from one mechanic that he has seen 12 to 15 vehicles damaged this way in the last six weeks because of the rodents moving into vehicles Uh, there was a story in the new york times about a dealership that had five people call in one week to complain about rats living in their car engine. Oh, my goodness. So I said it before about making sure you're maintaining your vehicle by getting it out and driving it regularly. And my oldest child did not drive her vehicle for several weeks and fortunately she did not have a rat eating in her vehicle but her battery croaked and her vehicle has the battery in like the dumbest place ever back in the back in the trunk where you have to go in through the trunk to put in the battery but couldn't get in the trunk because the battery was dead So her husband had to crawl through the vehicle. Fortunately, the second row seats fold down, crawl back through those, take one of those garage kind of spotlights and remove the battery, crawl back out, go get a new battery, put it in, and then, and had to put it in again without being able to get in the trunk. So hear me now, believe me later, you got to know that not driving your vehicle at all is dangerous on many different levels or very inconvenient. So what kind of animals have been showing up in vehicles? Mice, rats, squirrels, woodchucks, and possums. Man, that is no fun at all. So that vehicle you haven't been driving, go get in it now. Go take it for a spin, and then at least put on a calendar. You're going to regularly do that. Bob's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bob. Oh, hi, Clark. Good afternoon to you. Great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we need your advice. Um, We've uh, got our cash out of a 
real estate investment that we've been in for about eight or nine years, and we have about $250,000 now that we need to... Congratulations! Invest. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Um, we need some your advice as to how to reinvest it. Uh, we're in our mid to late 60s, and uh, we don't have much debt. Just a part of our house uh, mortgage is about all we have. So we're trying to plan ahead and see what we should do with these funds. Can you give us some ideas? And then the second question part of this is, just to have some funds available, we were looking at uh, getting a good high yield on online uh, high yield savings from some online banks. Uh, I'd like to see if you had any ideas, what comments would you have about that idea? Yeah, so you would not want to put all quarter million in a single institution? No. Because the FDIC insurance caps at a quarter million, and you would get back that, but you might lose any accumulated interest over time if the bank you put the money in failed. But you could open two online accounts, and and that would be a great thing just to park the money. But in order to answer your question, are both of you still working, or either of you retired, or what's the story with that? Mm, We're uh, working in our own little business, and we're going to be retiring in the next, oh, two years, year and a half, two years. Right. And what will you do to live on two years from now? What funds will you drawn is this part of that or is this yeah well we've, we've been saving towards the retirement funding so this will be part of that yeah okay so that affects the answer because you need to have a combination of money invested to deal with much later in retirement you know are you both in really good health uh, so far knock on wood yes so i don't know your genetics but you know if you've made it into your mid-60s Odds are pretty strong one or both of you will make it to your mid-80s or beyond. That sounds fine to me. <laughs> so, yeah, so you got a lot of years to pay for when you're no longer working. So yes, you need to think not just about stashing money in a savings account. You need to think about what you're going to do with inflation over the next 15, 20 years that would erode your money at the same time uh, invest in a mix of things that would give you returns beyond inflation and have a more modest risk level. Okay, yes. And so I'd say what I'd like you to do is stash the quarter million in online bank accounts. Okay. As a parking space. And then I'd love it if you went to meet with a fee-only financial planner. Mm-hmm. And go over your whole picture, what your goals are, what it costs you to live, what debts you have, your intention to retire in the next two years, and work with a fee-only planner to come up with a plan for your future and how you're going to get there. Okay. And with fee-only, you got two different strategies, and you and your wife will have to decide which fits you best. One... You hire a fee-only planner who's just like a coach and looks at what you got and gives you recommendations what you should do with it. Okay. And that you pay an hourly fee for and just pay somebody to advise you. And you go see them every so often for a checkup, like having an annual physical. Okay. The other model is where you pay somebody to manage your money for you. And that is available for as little as uh, 
one-third of 1% per year to the more common 1% per year. Okay. Which do you think fits your lifestyle more? I think a professional manager. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, the lowest cost management available is from Vanguard because it's a co-op. They don't try to make a living or make any money from doing what they call their personal advisory service. And so I think it's always good to talk to Vanguard to see how you feel about going in their personal advisory service because then most of your money is still working for you, very little being paid for somebody to advise you. Right. But for the standard industry kind of thing, which is paying somebody 1% of the money you have to manage it for you, I recommend that you go to NAPFA, the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, NAPFA.org. Okay. And you'll be able to put in your zip code information, and they'll be able to give you a list of people that are local to you. You go interview several of them, first by phone, then a few in-person meetings with at least three different firms or individuals, figure out whose personality seems to fit yours the best, whose guidance do you like the best, and then you're able to make a decision. And then I would compare talking with somebody face-to-face versus the Vanguard method, which costs basically one-third the cost, and see what sounds best and sounds right for you. Tim is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Tim. Hi, Clark. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, Tim. How can I serve you? Well, um, I had a quick question about uh, an organization to help me uh, offset the price of uh, uh, my utilities. There's an organization that uh, came across that buys and sells clean energy and offers to reduce your utility costs by running those utility bills through them. And I was trying to understand more about that process, uh, clearly figure out if it was uh, a a good alternative for where we live, and um, uh, just get uh, some feedback and thoughts from you. All right. I appreciate that you're asking about this. I'm not going to name the organization because it's one of the most polarizing players in energy in the United States for residential energy. And what they are is they're not actually an energy supplier they go out and they trade in energy credits. And generally, instead of saving you money, it's either the same price or it could actually cost you more for power than you pay now. The big pitch from them is that they're going to supply you with clean power that'll come from wind or solar or other forms of clean energy. I guess they probably consider hydro to be one. But the thing is, they're not actually a producer or supplier of any form of energy. Got it. They're just trading in what are known as renewable credits, often called RECs in the lingo of the trade. So were you looking at this as an environmentalist or were you looking at this just from your wallet? Just from a wallet aspect. All right, don't bother. But I will tell you this, what's really amazing, what's happening pretty quickly is that alternative forms of energy, especially wind, solar, and hydro, have become cheaper in most of the country than any other form of energy with no subsidies from any governmental body or anything like that. Because the, right. the advances 
with them are so good that traditional power plants, most often powered by coal, are closing at a very rapid clip, and it's giving us a lot cleaner air in a lot of the country. But the big thing, people don't ever want to pay, except for a tiny sliver of people, don't want to pay extra money to have, quote-unquote, cleaner energy. And they don't have to, because now the cleaner energy has become so much cheaper in so many places than any other form of energy. So this offer you've gotten, I would just let it go in the circular file. All right. Thank you. Sure. And you're going to benefit from the cheaper energy regardless, just because that's the marketplace speaking. Michelle is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Michelle. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you, Michelle. Your husband's buying a new truck. He is, finally. After Uh-oh. 21 years. 21? Of the same, yep, of driving the same truck. He had the truck before we were dating. He's finally getting a new one. Well, I like the way he handles his driving expense. That's wonderful. So he wants to buy a brand new truck. And he knows exactly what he wants. And I've read on your website that you prefer to buy used cars, but he wants a new one. And if he keeps a vehicle 21 years, he should go buy a new one and just enjoy it. It's going to feel like he went went from the Flintstones to the Jetsons in one vehicle (laughs) purchase. It will be so different. So how do you recommend we go shopping for that? new truck well i've got a lot of steps that i like uh first may i ask if either of you are a member of costco wholesale or sam's club no okay well that eliminates one of my favorite ways for someone to shop for a vehicle because they both have vehicle buying programs and costco if it were a dealer is now the largest seller of new vehicles in the united states um, second thing, are either of you insured by USAA? No. Okay, because USAA has a great vehicle buying program. So we're eliminating that. So what I'm going to suggest, does your husband know what vehicle he actually wants? Which truck? He knows which truck down to the color. Perfect. So I'm going to give you a way that is a blend of some work on his part and also modern tools. So if he will come up with a list of dealers within 50 miles that sell the particular truck that he's interested in, that brand, each of the dealers will have at their website an internet salesperson. He should email that internet salesperson at each dealer and ask them for their price, including all junk fees, he needs to say that, for purchase of the particular brand of truck, model, options, the whole bit, everything down to the nth detail, and what colors he's willing to accept that truck in, and just send that in to each, and they will respond back with a price, usually within three hours. Okay, great. And what about the financing, just so wherever go to I a, can go get to it? A, go to a credit union. Do you have a credit union membership? Yes. Go to the credit union because credit unions tend to write a vehicle loan at a point and a half lower than a bank does and about three to three and a half points lower than a car dealer does. Don't tell any of the dealers, make sure your husband doesn't tell any dealer as he's shopping 
that he's going to arrange his own financing because they okay. won't give him as good a price on buying the vehicle if they know that. And if we want to buy the vehicle closer to home, could we... You can narrow that circle, but it's good to shop 50-mile radius and use what you find to then try to negotiate a lower price with a dealer that's closer to you that's more convenient. But you need that survey to try to get the best price you can. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And I was on a large video conference call the other day, and it was pretty much a disaster for me because I was uh, giving a talk over this video format, and people kept having trouble hearing me. I kept pixeling out. And so the message I was trying to deliver was lost. And it was very frustrating for people, and people drop off and stuff, because having a reliable ability on these video systems to be able to communicate is really important for people that are working remotely, for people that are communicating with customers and all the rest. And so it is a big problem in my neighborhood, which is an older neighborhood, the wiring is also older and if you're familiar with how cable internet works you're on a loop with other people well normally there wouldn't be that many of us during a business day on the internet but right now everybody's in my neighborhood uh, I shouldn't say everybody but quite a few people have jobs where they can work from home they're working from home they're on the internet and so the amount of internet bandwidth available on the loop of all the homes, it's almost like a party line, is down. And it just totally messed up my ability to give my, my talk. So the good news is there are more and more choices coming in the marketplace for home internet. Verizon has announced... Uh, a couple of new launch cities and they're going to steadily roll those out. T-Mobile is rolling out cities where you're going to be able to get unlimited internet in your home over the 5G thing that people are confused by. And it's going to provide meaningful direct competition neighborhood by neighborhood and city by city for home internet and it'll force the cable companies to not cheap out, add capacity so that people can get the connections they need for the internet, particularly if they're trying to work from their home and it's essential that you be able to have that internet access. The other thing going on is uh, Zoom has become ultra popular, but has also not always been a satisfier with people having trouble with the audio quality and the rest. And that's bringing other people into the marketplace. You know, Microsoft has put a, a intense focus on being able to compete with uh, Zoom that has become something no one had heard of and suddenly a big deal. But the one that the people into technology are really 
excited about is the one from Google with Google Meet. And so for people who use Google Calendar, you can set up a Google Meet, and they're free in most cases except for big enterprises. You set up a Google Meet, invite people right from the calendar, and it works uh, very much setting one up like Zoom, but for people who use Gmail, easier yet to do. And Google Meet has a technology that takes the bandwidth that's available and makes it more efficient. So even like in my case where the internet available was not good at all and it was causing me to pixel out on people, it would give you the ability to seize bandwidth essentially, make it work more efficiently. And they also have a thing that Microsoft has that is a noise cancellation feature that deals with people who forget to turn off their mic and a dog's barking in the background or whatever. And so it's able to use AI, both of them are able to use artificial intelligence to make the sound more effective. Both of these areas, both the problems with the reliability of internet to our home and the ability to do these remote meetings over video, both of them are going to steadily improve. Christopher's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Christopher. Good afternoon, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Christopher. All right. So you're a show-off. What are you doing already? Uh, well, I've been listening to you since I was first driving because I only had an AM radio, so I've uh, learned a lot about planning for retirement, so I'm maxing up my retirement account each year. That's fantastic. But right now, it doesn't feel so fantastic, does it? Well, this year hasn't been that great. Yeah. How old are you? I am 30 years old. Okay, so Christopher, this is weird math, but this is just fact. All right, so are you doing well-diversified? Are you doing like um, index funds or target retirement fund or something like that with the maxing out your target retirement? retirement fund? Okay, so you're in a well-diversified portfolio in a target retirement fund, and through your job, you're putting in money every pay period. Right? Uh, actually, it's a, it's an IRA. Excuse me. Okay. So with an IRA, you doing Roth or regular? Roth. Okay. So, you know, you can do $500 every month. Mm-hmm. So if the stock market has a really stinking year, I know this is bonkers, but it actually makes you wealthier 30 years from now. Declines sure. in, in the market mind. while you're young create more wealth for you later because every month if you put 500 in every month that buys you more shares when share prices are depressed that makes perfect sense my only main question was i I do a little bit saving over the time when i got my tax returns and i was debating whether or not it was a better idea to put it all in the beginning of the year and just max it out at january 1st or if it's better to do it on a month to month that way when the market goes down i'm buying more so i'm a huge fan of doing what is simply called dollar cost averaging, putting money in every month, spreading it out over every year that you do it monthly rather than in lump sums. And the reason is mathematically over the decades, you end up with more money if you just lump sum in every January. But the problem is we're not machines. And if you lump sum 6,000 in in January, and suddenly there's a big decline in the market 
let's say in March, you feel that pain so much to the degree that you might even change your investments to something less appropriate for you only being 30 years old, to something way too conservative. So uh-huh. I love the dollar cost averaging because you ride with the market and temporary changes in the market down don't freak you out the way they do when you lump some in. Sure. And I mean, even even the changes that I'm seeing right now, I, I understand it's, I'm not pulling my money out for a long time, so it's just going to ride. Well, if you are someone who has ice water in your veins, <laughs> it's okay for you to lump some. If, on the other hand, if things got really rough with the market and you saw your account just shrinking right before your eyes, then you are better off just staying like almost, uh, not everybody, but most people, just doing the monthly contributions. Okay, thank you very much. So are you ice water man or are you someone who is going to stay doing monthly? For the most part, I'll, I'll probably just stick to doing it in the lump sums just because it, I get it done in the beginning of the year. I don't have to worry about it. And I understand that, you know, I don't lock in any of these losses until I pull the money out. So as long as I'm letting it in there, it's got time to make up for itself. All right. I am so impressed with you, Christopher, because I don't ever talk to anybody who, in the face of a decline, has that ice water. And that's great. So thank you. Keep that attitude because remember, eye on the goal, eye on the target. Down the road is what counts, and you've got so many decades that what happens with us moving into a bear market, it's a natural cycle that you don't let that sway you, and you stay on your goal, and that's how you end up financially secure. Sally's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Sally. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Certainly, Sally. Um, so my situation is I'm 51, debt-free, own my house, own my car. We max out the, our Roths um, and do our employer match. And so my question wow. is... Wow, wow. Well, thank you You're not for messing that. around at all, are you? Well, I thought I would preface it with that. So I live in Ohio, and I have a 26-year-old son who lives in Florida. He's been down there. He went to school there, graduated, so he, he's staying there. So now that we've kind of got everything in order up here, I was considering buying a rental property where he lives and renting it to him. He's currently paying rent to an apartment and his lease is up. So I'm thinking that maybe he should be paying rent to me. Uh, so I, but I didn't know buying a rental property that's 1200 miles away, not sure what to do with that so i would not consider it unless he's really set down roots in the community in florida he's in because even if he's become a florida boy it doesn't mean he's going to want to stay exactly where he is in florida how old's your son he's 26 26 uh, it's possible that he's laying down deep roots in the communities and it's more likely that he might move somewhere else or might want to live in a different neighborhood or something like that over time. So I would not buy a place with the idea of it being a permanent housing solution for him unless you're really, really comfortable and confident that he wants to stay right there in whatever property you together would find. 
Because I don't want you owning a rental property 1,100 miles away if you don't have your own son living in it. So if it's reasonably sure that he is there for indefinitely, I mean... Then that would be fine. Okay. Now, some of the things you need to know about real estate in Florida is that the homeowner's insurance part is a rough part of the equation because of the risk that so much of Florida faces from hurricanes. Okay. That it's an expense a lot of people not from Florida are kind of shocked by is the difficulty of buying homeowner's insurance, particularly on what would be an investment property, the difficulty buying it and then the expense of having it. So it's not unusual for a property in Florida to have higher homeowner's insurance premiums than the cost of uh, property tax on the property. Okay. So you have to think think that that part through and try to get a sense of what it would cost for a a target property you've identified that you might want to own. Now, there's an advantage as an absentee landlord owning a condo in Florida because the condo association is responsible for the policy that you're going to have to have for most of what's required to be purchased. And then you're not as an out-of-stater trying to figure out how to navigate the homeowner's insurance puzzle. And then you just need a what's a relatively cheaper condominium owner's policy for the parts that the condo association doesn't cover. But okay. I would not jump into this with both feet. I would kind of dip your toes in the water and be sure it really is something you want to do before you buy a, a rental property in Florida. I happen to have a rental property in Florida in addition to other rental properties I have elsewhere. And the Florida rental property, the carry costs on it because of the whole hurricane part, is it's something to deal with. It's a pretty significant expense. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Evan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Evan. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, Evan. I grew up listening to you. Well, that's really cool. And Evan, you have something that has been going on much of your life, a long-time bankruptcy. Tell me about it. Yeah, so I have a rental property, and I got a letter letting me know that my lender is going to be going bankrupt. Well, actually, your lender has been bankrupt for a good while. Okay. Well, my, my question was, 
is since they're probably going to be selling off my mortgage to another lender, is there any chance that they do like a payoff where I can get the mortgage at a lesser price and pay off the whole thing? Or do they ever do any deals like that since they're in this situation? So when lenders were going bust last decade during the real estate bust, there were for investor-owned properties there were cram downs. There were not for owner-occupied residences, but for okay. investment properties, there were what they call in the lingo of the trade cram downs. I'm not sure. aware of any cram downs going on with this bankruptcy. Okay. But when yeah. your loan is sold off, it, they just sell off the servicing rights and your obligations continue as they were before. The okay. problem for you is even if you were successfully able to negotiate a cram down with the lender, that would have to be approved by the bankruptcy court. Okay. And I figure it might be worth a chance. So, but in this case, like in this case, I wouldn't look at this as lucky, but I will tell you what's very important for you to do and every other borrower. You okay. need to maintain your own amortization schedule and make sure that when your servicing rights are sold, if that's what happens, is that your balance tracks exactly as it should. Your interest rate reflects as it should. And do you have to escrow? No, I don't. Okay, good. You don't have to worry about the escrow part. Anybody who does needs to maintain solid records to make sure that their escrow numbers are right and that they transfer if servicing is sold off. Okay. So I'll your your greatest risk is that the balance that transfers is an inaccurate balance, usually much higher than what you actually do owe. Okay. I'll, I'll definitely look at that. So I, I'm sorry. I, I mean, you, you make the call if you want, but I very much doubt that you'll have any luck in at this time with this economy with a cram down discussion. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I appreciate it. Sure. And when you call them, they're generally, that's an investor kind of term. They're likely not going to know the term cram down, but uh, usually what they'd be interested in is you paying off your balance in full and offering you a discount for that, not for just reducing the balance of the outstanding loan and you continuing to make payments monthly as you have been. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.